it it is just about expressing yourself it's about articulating those parts of you that you you want to get out you know that's the joy of it it's not about necessarily being published or getting literary fame or any of those things it's really about a form of expression and i found that to be the biggest joy in my life so if anybody else can find that too then i i hope that they will Today we're in for a literary treat as we sit down with the remarkable author Alice Clark Platts. Alice is the mastermind behind The Flower Girls and a series of captivating crime writings including To Die For, The Cove, Bitter Fruits and The Taken. Her work has even earned her a spot on the shortlist for the Dead Good Reader Awards for Best Police Procedural. But that's not all. Alice's journey is a tale of fascinating twists and turns. Before immersing herself in the world of writing, she was a human rights litigator with a roster of high-profile cases, including Winnie Mandela and the rapper Snoop Dogg. On top of her writing prowess, Alice conducts writing workshops, sharing her knowledge and passion with aspiring wordsmiths. And did I mention she's recently returned to the UK after a decade in Singapore, all while being a devoted mother to two daughters? So whether you're a fan of crime fiction, a budding writer, or simply curious about the life and art of an exceptional author, you're in for an engaging conversation. Join me as we find out what it takes for author Alice Clark Platts to do the job. Alice, thank you so much for joining us today. Let's start off. We've just heard that you actually started your um, career, as it were, in the law industry. When did you pivot to writing? Um, And when was that day that came when you thought, right, this is my full time job? Um, Well, I moved to Singapore in 2011 and I had taken maternity leave. I was pregnant with my youngest daughter. And I thought that I was just going to have a bit of a break from the law. And then it transpired, as it often does with sort of expat moves, that we were going to stay a bit longer in Singapore. And so I just started writing, really, um, as something to kind of entertain myself. Um, And I set myself a bit of a challenge. You know, I'd always been interested in uh, why I loved reading murder mysteries. And so I thought, well, can I write one so I I literally on the MRT one evening I think we were coming back from a concert I wrote the first paragraph um of a murder mystery for for just purely to entertain myself and uh, that turned out to be the first paragraph of Bitter Fruits um so with really no pressure at all not thinking that I was really pivoting into anything I just sort of started writing um just for fun And as we kind of ended up staying longer in Singapore and it sort of appeared that, you know, I wasn't going to be able to to carry on my legal career in Singapore. Um, I finished my book and um, I mean, it's it's a longer story. I'm sort of I'm I'm cutting it down here, but um, I ended up then getting an agent and getting a publishing deal um, when I finished my book. I can imagine that that in itself takes a lot of a lot of uh, motivation, self-motivation, because, you know, you are starting an adventure in Singapore. You could have easily kicked back, 
So to actually motivate yourself, how difficult was that to complete a novel? Well, I mean, for a start, I'm not really the kind of person who does the kind of kick back and relax. I find it quite difficult. Um, so I, you know, I was also, I was, I was being a mother. I had a two-year-old and a newborn baby. So I was, I was looking after them. But then in the sort of down times, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not particularly good at kind of just sort of resting on my laurels. And also I just found writing really good fun. Um, and I got, I just got very passionate about it. And I started reading a lot into, you know, what it took to get published, what it took to get an agent. And I, then I set up um, what became the Singapore Writers Group. And I kind of created this community of writers. Um, and that sort of took on a life of its own. And we all sort of, we would meet up once a month and we would share the, the things that we were writing. And that became a kind of nice social environment for us to all kind of hang out, have a glass of wine and kind of spur each other on. Um, and so it kind of became just a part of my life really um, and something that I really enjoyed. And so rather than it being a chore and something that it was kind of like I had to discipline myself to do, it just became something that I really wanted to do. And, and you know, then I, I managed to get on, I applied for a course, an online novel writing course with a um, firm called Curtis Brown. And that was really exciting because that was the first time that I'd had some sort of um, endorsement of my writing and kind of somebody saying, yeah, actually, you know, your writing is not terrible. Um, so then I thought, well, you know, my writing is not terrible, so maybe I should keep going at this. Um, and so then again, it was like the universe was kind of saying, well, you know, the doors weren't slamming in my face. So I kind of just kept going. You had to be published to be accepted onto the Curtis Brown course. No, 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 not at all. No, no, no. This was it was uh, a course for unpublished authors, um, you know, wannabe authors, I suppose. Um, so, no, we were all. There were 15 of us. It was the inaugural course. I think this was back in 2013. And um, we, we were because it was online, we were from all over the world. So there were people in England, people in Australia. Um, I think somebody was in Paris. I was in Singapore. Um, and so, you know, we had this like fantastic sort of three month course where we were learning so much and we were reading each other's work. And I'm still friends with them all today. And like they've become, a lot of them have um, become published and, you know, really successful authors. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was mainly it was an endorsement that this firm was, you know, saying you can write that what you're writing isn't awful and we believe in you because you had to apply to get on it. You had to show them what you were writing. And so that was kind of, yeah, what sort of started me on my journey, I guess. And for those people listening to this podcast, obviously they might be interested in that too. Uh, is that still running and are there other companies yeah. that, that do that? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, no, I, I would really recommend Curtis Brown. I mean, they have, it's called the um, Curtis Brown Creative and they do run courses. They, they run lots of different kinds of courses, novel writing courses, short courses. They run summer courses. Um, and what's good about them is that they're sort of tied in with an agency so that you also get the feedback of literary agents, which was obviously a great pull for, you know, people who want to then try and secure an agent. But there are tons of courses out there that, you know, they do sort of mentorships and things like that. 
I run a creative writing course. I mean, it's it. You know, there there are lots of different courses out there. I mean, I would be wary of kind of signing up to somebody who perhaps doesn't have the weight behind them of experience. Um, I mean, I've been teaching creative writing now for twelve years, um, and I think you have to do your research and kind of, uh, you know, check out that the, the person who's you know if they're going to take money from you, they actually know what they're talking about. But um, I think it's a, it's a great thing to do to get you motivated to meet a community of other writers and to sort of just keep you going, you know, and sort of like get that bit of endorsement when perhaps it's it's hard at the beginning when you when you're starting out writing. Yeah, it's a con- I can imagine it's a real confidence thing when you're showing your work to other people and, as you say, worried about how they will judge it, I guess. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think you have to be quite careful about who you do show your early stuff to because I think you can your confidence can be really knocked and you could perhaps then stop writing, you know, when you shouldn't because, um, you know, when you first start writing, you're bound to you know, there's going to be like a lot of it that's probably not going to be very good. But that doesn't mean to say that all of it isn't very good. You know, some of it is going to be good. And um, you just, you need to have the confidence to keep on going because it's like anything, um, you've got to practice and you've got to keep keep on trying and learning and reading and, you know, just, um, I think this sort of like showing it to people who perhaps, you know, I don't know why their opinion matters more than anybody else's. You know, it's such a subjective thing often. So, um, yeah, I think you have to be really wary. I mean, often we kind of show what we've written to like our partner or our friends or family members, and they, they're often not the best person to judge the quality of writing um, as much as they may love us. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think you do have to be really careful about that. And, um, and you have to also be careful about these kind of courses that you join up to because you want to you have to really trust the person that you're handing your sort of precious thoughts. I mean, ultimately, what you write comes from inside of you. You're articulating your kind of innermost thoughts and what comes from your imagination. So you don't want somebody to kind of tear that apart and make you feel bad about it. You've got to kind of protect it a little bit until you're confident that it's in the best possible shape. You've you've been commended for your research uh, and input of, of police procedural how much of the writing process is doing that kind of research I don't actually do a lot of research I have to admit um you know writing is also it's a feat of imagination and uh I think that that counts for 90 percent of it I mean obviously you don't want to get things wrong so I when I have written police procedurals I, I have had police officers read the book I have done I have gone to police stations I have followed a police um, officer around and kind of gone into the cells and done stuff like that I wouldn't say I mean look if I was writing a book about brain surgery then sure maybe I would you know do a bit more research but I mean my books aren't really that technical I mean if you if you look at somebody like Patricia Cornwell I mean she was a forensic scientist I mean she came from that background she knew what she was talking about I was a lawyer I mean my book The Flower Girls dealt with uh, a, a courtroom situation my new book that's hopefully coming out next year it deals with a courtroom situation so I do have a certain amount of experience in those areas so I bring those to my books but in terms of 
you know, sort of detailed research? I, I don't know. I mean, every author is different, I guess. Um, some people kind of take it. I guess if you're doing historical fiction, then, yeah, you would have to do a lot of research. Just to go back to the process of writing, if someone's listening to this today and they want to become a writer, how fast could they write their first book? A book is between eighty to 90,000 words. I mean, I, I normally set myself a target on a first draft of writing a thousand words a day, which is fairly doable. Mm. Some people write more than that. Some people manage less than that. But let's say you, you hit a thousand words a day. Well, then three months, you, you could write a first draft. But your first draft is going to be terrible. Um, <laughs> so... You know, you've got to you've got to bear that in mind. So you're going to have to do you know a good few drafts before you make it you know a proper story that that kind of makes sense and that like you know no nobody I don't care who you are Salman Rushdie J.K. Rowling whoever sits down and bangs out a perfect first draft nobody does that. Do you have uh, uh, you know any sort of habits that that you go through when you're writing? Do you write? Uh, in a certain place do you do do you set up a, a room in a certain way what's your process of actually getting into the flow of writing those thousand words no not really I mean you know I I'm a, like a little I'm like the littlest hobo in my house I don't even have a have an office I kind of I'm either at the kitchen table or I'm on the sofa I just have my laptop sometimes I go to the gym and I work in the cafe yeah I just I don't have uh you don't no, have post-it I don't. notes all up around a wall and big structure no things. I mean I've tried all of that I mean I've tried I, I know and I've seen other authors who have like amazing kind of like charts and you know um those little white cards with things written on and they use Scrivener and they use amazing kind of like whiteboard apps and things like that and I, I think to myself, oh, okay, yeah, that's going to be really cool. And then I realise that I've spent like three weeks just basically messing around on apps and like make and, and all I'm doing is procrastinating. I'm just preventing the moment that I actually have to sit down and write the book. Um, I think that everybody's so different. People's brains, you know, like when you used to have to revise for exams, and some people are very visual, some people are very just, you know, they they revise in a very different way, and. I just need to sit down and get on Microsoft Word and that's it. And I, I can't say it's an easy process. It's really quite painful, but it's just the only way that works for me. So in the end, I'm scrolling through a you know document that's like 90,000 words trying to remember in which chapter I said what. And when the deadline comes in from the publisher or the agent, uh, does, that, does that help or hinder? Yeah, I mean, it, no, it helps, I think. I mean... I, I, yeah, I don't think I've ever found that to be stressful. I've always kind of, you know, like I've said, I, I've I've always been a, a grafter. Like I'm not somebody, I know that some people are kind of like, they need that, you know, the ninth, the ninth? <laughs> I don't know if that's the phrase, but like the 12th hour kind of like <laughs> panic. Um, but uh, I, I'm kind of quite steady you know steady Eddie get get everything going kind of every day and eventually you know the words build up and you get there eventually yeah so yeah 
let's move on to the business, the business side of the book publishing job. Um, what steps are necessary for an aspiring writer to see their work published? What do they need to do step by step, like an ABC guide, I guess? Well, you got to write the book. <laughs> um, you got to make it as good as possible. I mean, that's that's honestly. I mean, I know it sounds ridiculous, but you do actually have to make it really good. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I think a lot of people think, "Oh, just you know, I could write a book," and they kind of think it's easy, and it's not. You know, you do actually have to sit down and go over it and over it and over it again until you really cannot bear to look at it anymore and really you feel like you've done everything that you can do with this book put it away for a month come back to it again go over it again put it away come back to it you know I mean really really put your heart and soul into it once you've done that then you need to find an agent um and I mean, I think this is the hardest part of the process because um, agents get a huge amount of submissions. Um, there's a notorious phrase called the slush pile, which is this mountain of scripts that they get sent from wannabe authors. And, you know, they just get a lot and they have to read through a lot. They do read them, but you're going to have to persuade them that your book is you know that they should take you on as a client and that's that's the hardest thing because there are only so many clients that they want to take on um so you will get a lot of rejections and that's just you know the fact of the matter um you've got to kind of steal yourself for that but it shouldn't put you off because every single author has had tons of rejections and we've all kind of got past that and we've kind of shrugged them off and moved on and just kept on trying, kept on trying. Um, if they give you advice about your book, you know, that's up to you, but it, sometimes it's worth taking it. They will often ask you, if you send them their first, your first three chapters, they'll ask you for the full manuscript. So this is why you need to have finished your book because if you've only written the first three chapters and then they ask to see the full manuscript you're going to have a bit of a scary moment where you're then trying to finish the book in time to send it to them and it, then it's not going to be very good but then once you get an agent they're your gateway into the publishing houses and they have the relationships with all the editors of the different publishing houses they have all the knowledge these are the people that they go to the book fairs they go to the lunches they chat they all talk amongst themselves they know what the editors are looking for um so if they take your book on you're already like halfway there because they're thinking oh i know that you know maureen at this house like wants this kind of book you know so it, it's kind of they then become your mentor, your guide, and hopefully they'll stay with you for the rest of your career and kind of like help you. If you get a publishing deal with that book, then they'll help you, you know, advise you on the next book and the next book and the next book. Who does the reading of the first draft? Is it so it's the agent? Does the agent come back with suggestions or is it the actual publisher? Who does that? Yeah, the agent, I mean, my agent is very proactive before the book even goes out to the publishers mm. she will do like a really big edit on on that first draft before you you've got a contract with the publisher right at the beginning right to make it as good as it possibly can be yeah 
so does the agent choose you or do you choose the agent? How does that work? How does that dynamic work? It depends how many agents you've got interested in you. If you've got more than one, then then you've got the power, haven't you? You can choose you can choose who you want to go with. Um, you know, sometimes there's a book that people get a buzz about and they really want to take you on and then you you can choose. Um, if you only have one agent that wants to take you on, I mean, look, you could always say no. I mean, if you if you have an agent like Joey's agent in Friends, Estelle, and you know you think, well, maybe she's not the perfect fit for me. Of course, you can say no, and maybe that's better. Maybe it's better to wait for the right person for you. Ultimately, this is a relationship that that should stand you in good stead for a number of years so you do want to be able to you know I've had my agent now for nearly 15 years and you know she's had children I've had moved back to England like you know we've we've been in each other's lives for a long time you don't want to, you want to be able to like that person you want to like you know pick up the phone and say hey like this is going on in my life um so actually with my agent yeah I did I did choose her because I had a couple of offers of, from different people. And so, and but she, she seemed to be the person that I thought we would have the best relationship with. So you've got to the point where you've written your book. It's been passed to the publisher by your agent. The publisher has accepted it and it will go to publication. How does the marketing process come about? Because obviously the marketing of a book is, probably one of the biggest and most important parts of people seeing your book. So can you walk us through that process? What happens with the marketing side of, of your book? Well, that just comes from your publishing house. So they will have assigned your book a budget. When they bought your book, they will have decided kind of what tier they're going to give it. Is it going to be like a big title for them? Is it going to be sort of mid-tier? Um I guess they will have worked out when in the year it's going to be published. So is it going to be like a Christmas book or a summer read or, you know, whatever they've, they've kind of flagged it as being. And then there will be a period over the publication where they, the marketing department will try and get it into as many sort of magazines or reviews or, you know, just try and get as many people to see it as possible um you know for books where they've thrown a lot of money at it they will try and they will you know give you some maybe some posters on the tube or they might you know I don't know stuff like that um but the main thing is really to try and get get the book on things like book clubs I mean Richard and Judy is a huge thing that's kind of out of their control they they put books forward for that but I mean, that's down to Richard and Judy. Um, <laughs> then uh, there's things like the uh, the Radio 2 have a book club, I think. And then there's like between the covers, I think um, Sarah Cox runs that. Um, what's, what's demanded of the author, like yourself? What's demanded of you? Are you expected to travel around the country and... What's, is, is that... No, I mean, you're not expected to do anything. I mean, you can say no. Um, but obviously, I think they they like you to kind of participate. There's lots of sort of book festivals that you can go and sit on panels. Um, you know, and there's things like Harrogate have has. I mean, I write crime books, so there's a big crime festival up in Harrogate, um, Crime Festival. There's um, 
lots of different like festivals that happen there's bloody scotland up in scotland um <laughs> uh lo- lots of divine went to aberdeen um earlier this year um for granite noir uh so yeah there's there's tons of stuff i mean they're really good fun to go to i mean i i love going along to the festivals you meet lots of other authors you meet people that read your books so there's also tons of book bloggers who are lovely. Um, so if you can get them to read your books and post a review online um, or on TikTok and things like that or Instagram. I mean, there's there's stuff that you can do yourself. Um, but then, yeah, the, the publisher, they will they will have a sort of like window of when they kind of like really like put the book out there and then they move on to the next book. It's kind of like a conveyor belt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can imagine. Right, we're on to the quick fire round. Here it is. Here's your quick fire round, Alice. So what's your biggest career regret? Um, not being a professional tennis player. Okay. Really? <laughs> is that what you wanted to do? <laughs> Hang on, I think we need to read either, either that or not being a Spice Girl. I can't, I, I can't decide which. <laughs> Maybe that was a bit of a negative one to start off on our quick fire round. <laughs> <laughs> Second quick fire question: uh, Your career standout moment? Um, having my book on Waterloo Station on a big, massive poster, like all along the platform. That's that's yeah. That's phenomenal. Yeah, that you must was have cool. had to pinch yourself at that point. Yeah, that was very cool. Your top tip to break into your industry? Persistence. Mm. Just keep going. Yeah. Um, and people don't like talking about money, so we won't talk about money. But instead of asking you what you earn, let's frame it in terms of your ride to work. Does your job afford you a bike, a taxi, Toyota or Ferrari? <laughs> not even a bike <laughs> <laughs> I like I mean barely a pair of trainers to walk <laughs> right and lastly if in the quickfire round in terms of societal impact you've had would you say you a changed people's minds b changed the narrative or c changed the world I mean I'd say I, I wouldn't say any of those really <laughs> I mean uh, I mean I you know I, I I've written some books that hopefully people have enjoyed that's that's about as much as I can Absolutely. hope for I was about to say that um, and our last section I just want to dip into the future of your industry and I've got to ask you because it fascinates me um, how the new technology and the artificial intelligence uh, programs that are coming into the industry, how how is that going to impact uh, the, the writing and publishing industry? Because I have spoken to many well, people. Well, I mean... And, and the, yeah, and the well, thought of a book being written by uh, a robot, um, you know, a lot of people, if they knew it, they would want to read it. So I just wanted to get your take. You know, how do you think technology is going to impact the industry going forward? Oh, I mean, it's probably it's going to destroy it. <laughs> I mean, you say people won't want to read books by robots, but I mean, they won't know. 
that's the thing. I mean, they've already, I mean, you've probably seen on social media lately that they've already kind of taken hundreds of authors' books and, you know, like without any kind of like financial um, compensation and kind of like they've they've stolen all the words to like teach the robots, you know, how to kind of, they won't know. Um, you know, I mean, and there's no protection for it. There's no, so yeah, I think, you know, it'll essentially will kill it. <laughs> so those trainers that I've got to walk to work, I won't even have those soon. Um, and I'm thinking, I'll have to just, I'm really better get back to my tennis lessons. <laughs> I'm thinking, but is this a conversation that you're having when you go to these book fairs and these social events? I mean, is this, it, it, uh, uh, you're saying that, you know, there is no protection out there. I'm wondering if something will happen where we, we will see a change in that, where we'll see some regulation, where we'll see some copyright issues, you know, do you see it, do you see it at all improving over the next decade, say? No, I mean, I, you know, I know that you know, obviously in America they've just had the strikes. They've got, I think they've managed to now uh, negotiate a deal for like the next five years or something. But I mean, I don't. No. To be honest, I don't. And and we're not not really talking about it in that. I mean, we can't even really protect our copyright as it is now. You know, I mean, there's so much piracy that goes on even if you look at photocopy books and you know even people lending books and stuff like that I mean you know authors even things like you know secondhand bookshops which look everybody loves a secondhand bookshop but that 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 takes money away from authors um, unfortunately you know so it's just our industry is not an industry for uh making money for authors you know and so this this is just I don't know. I mean, unless unless you're going to suddenly go back to kind of oral storytelling where, you know, you have to prove <laughs> that you've written it yourself by telling it, by, by reading it aloud, I guess. Yeah. And then, I don't know. I, I just can't see. And also, I just can't see the, the real interest. I mean, no, like, certainly in this country, nobody seems to care about the arts at all. Mm. We must end on a positive note, and we will, but I do have one last um, possibly uh, uh, dubious uh, question for you, and it's about the younger generation and how they embrace books because they think a lot faster. They want, you know, instant gratification. I wonder how you think that will impact uh, books in the in the next decade or so. You know, everyone said when e-books came out, oh, you know, it's the death of books and and that just hasn't proven to be the case. I mean, even now, independent bookshops are having a bit of a kind of moment. Um, and you look on TikTok, I mean, people still just love reading. Um, and even with gaming and even with all of those things, there's just, there is no getting around the fact that everybody loves a story. And we tell stories all the time in our lives, even when we don't know that we're doing it, you know, and um, I don't think that will ever change. I really don't, even if, you know, the apocalypse comes, we'll still be telling stories and there'll still be ways of, of doing it. And um, I, I guess that is the positive. That is the thing that we take away from it. But it's just, you got to remove the, the, the 
financial kind of benefit from it and you just say that it's just it's a part of the human condition that we just love stories and literature and those those stories will remain and the younger generation love them just as much as we do so that's a good thing and lastly you did mention that you're hoping another book comes out next year are you allowed to tell us what it is well i mean it's all a bit up in the air at the moment but it is a new um sort of legal psychological thriller um i can't really say much more than that but uh things are afoot and yes i'm hoping that it will be out sometime next year um and it's it's a sort of uh downton abbey meets succession that's Um, my tagline for it Right up my street. I can't wait. (laughs) Sounds brilliant. Is there anything else you'd like to say about the book writing industry um, to those who may want to get into it? Oh, I mean, just, you know, keep keep reading and um, yeah, keep telling those stories. And and also the, the writing books, you know, it it is just about expressing yourself it's about articulating those parts of you that you want you want to get out you know that's the joy of it it's not about necessarily being published or getting literary fame or any of those things it's really about a form of expression and i've found that to be the biggest joy in my life so if anybody else can find that too then i i hope that they will Brilliant. Alice, really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for all your tips and tricks on how to do the job. Thanks, Mel. Thank you.